Nick Mora is the 2023 BHP John Monash Scholar. He's a graduate physicist and engineer receiving first class honours and a university medal for his studies at the University of Queensland. He's passionate about energy and education and aspires to make a difference in both fields. His research focuses on future decarbonised energy systems. Nick will study for a PhD in engineering at Princeton University next year. He's a young dad and likes to stay active in his spare time, which by the sounds of it, he doesn't have a lot of. Nick, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Justin. Thanks for having me. So you're joining me this morning from Brisbane. Is that where you grew up? It is indeed, yep. Brisbane, born and raised. I grew up in the in the Redlands area, Mount Cotton. And yeah, I've lived here, apart from a small three-year stint over in Western Australia. Yeah, been here my whole life, so. Tell us about your childhood and formative years. Yeah, so like I said, I grew up on, on um, in Mount Cotton, so we had seven acres. I come from a big family, so I'm number five of six kids. I mean, I had, to be honest, I had a pretty idyllic childhood, really. Like we spent, I remember spending a lot of time outside, working, mowing grass, doing a lot of chores around the house. We're a pretty busy family with so many kids, so I remember always competing and playing games with my siblings and things like that. And where where do you fit between the? So you're number five, are you? Yeah, number five. So four to siblings, two sisters, two brothers, me and my younger brother, me and. My younger brother are close in age and there's a bit of a gap between us two and our and our older siblings. How old are you, Nick? 26, 27 this year. So. And how about school? Where did you go to school in Brisbane? Primary school, I was at Hilliard State School. And then I ended up graduating high school from Redlands College. So I did my final three years of high school at Redlands College. I moved, I moved, I moved around high schools a fair bit. So yeah, I started off over in Western Australia for a couple of years in grade eight and nine, and then came back, was at Mount Cravat State High School for about six months, and then finished at Redlands College. So yeah, I moved around a little bit. And given your professional background now, I'm gonna presume you were always a pretty good student. No, that's, and that's- (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was definitely not always a good student actually. So, oh, I should have brought some report card, but some report card comments, but when I was in grade, would have been grade nine, my my English teacher, my comment on my report card was something along the lines of, Nicholas always calls out in class, rarely completes his homework. <laughs> my science teacher said a similar thing. Um, so yeah, by no stretch of the imagination was I always a good student. Well, there must, there must have been a spark at some point, given what you're doing now. Yeah, there definitely was. And, and this is, I guess, a big turning point for me. So when I when I moved back from Western Australia, I kind of struggled a little bit to fit in um, at school. Um, you know, changing schools in grade nine was tough. You know, it's a kind of your most insecure years as a teenager. Struggled to make friends a little bit. And then I changed schools again after six months. And I think all that change really kind of, I guess I kind of retreated into my shell a little bit. Um, and when I started going to Redlands College, I had a had an amazing math teacher actually. So I'd always been okay at math, but I know it was always just maths. Um, but I had this teacher and she, Mrs. Zerk was her name and she really- What's her name? Let's give her a shout out. Mrs. Zerk. So she was amazing. She she inspired me to, I guess, she, I think she could see that I had some talent in mathematics and she pushed me beyond 
I guess, the standard class and coursework that we were doing. So she gave me some extra worksheets. She believed in me. And from there, I just kind of got this bit of a, I don't know, it was almost like an addiction to maths at a young age. But I started like reading, you know, textbooks, um, doing as many problems as I could and started doing really, really well. And then as I got into grade 11 and 12, that kind of flourished into science as well. And yeah, I just, I just fell in love with it. I just fell in love with it. And um, ever since then, I've kind of been on this kind of journey of, I guess, a love of learning really. So, yeah. And, and was maths your favorite subject at school? It was, yeah. Maths and physics closely tied together, um, by far my favorite subjects. Um, yeah. And so when you finished year 12, did you have any idea what you wanted to do? Um, I struggled for a long time to know what to do. I I had got a really good um, OP, um, so I had like some options open to me and I could have gone into a few different fields, but I ended up deciding just to do a straight physics degree, actually. I, I tossed back and forth about doing engineering or doing, um, I don't know, some other course that I could probably get into, but I just decided to do physics because that's what I loved. I was super interested in it. I felt like I just wanted to, yeah, study study what I was passionate about. So that's what I decided to do straight into university. Where was that? Was that at the University of Queensland? Yeah, University of Queensland, that's right. And what was it about physics that you loved? I don't know. I just had this, like when I was in grade 10, I, like, I remember reading this, this Wikipedia page about light. I was just like fascinated that there was these laws that that the light was either a particle or it was a wave. And then that a lot of physicists believe that it was actually both, like it was both simultaneously. And that was just intriguing to me that you could actually have, it's just, it was confusing and simultaneously intriguing. And the fact that you could, um, yeah, describe nature and then with those descriptions, basically understand how the world works and put laws to it, that nature actually obeyed laws. That just captured my imagination and I ended up yeah, just being so fascinated, like reading about Einstein's laws, Newton's laws, all those different things about the way the world worked. And I was like, wow, you know, there must be either more laws out there to discover or some application of these laws that, you know, um, you can do novel and, and exciting things. Mm. With. So, yeah, it's just I think that's I mean, that, that, that comes to the heart of it to me, just this curiosity that you can actually describe the world around us through law. And, 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 <laughs> and have you figured it all out yet, Nick? Oh, by no stretch. Yeah, that's right. I think, I think, and I'm a first, like the more I go through my kind of career of, I guess, academic career, and I learn about new theories, I just realize this gets more and more complex, to be honest. Um, and, and maybe that's what's so interesting about laws, actually, that it kind of collapses complexity down to simplicity. So that's, I think, for me, part of the interest, you know. Um, but yeah, there's so much more to do. <laughs> so much more to understand. Yeah. And so when, how long was the initial physics degree? When did you, when did you finish that? So I actually only did it for one year and then I took a two year break from university and went and lived over in Spain for two years as a missionary. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a <laughs> yeah. can of worms you've opened up. Tell, yeah, me, tell us about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a big part of, I guess, my story really. So yes, I, I left home uh, 18 and that was through through our church and spent two years over overseas working with people learned learned, learned to speak spanish um and got to have an amazing experience over there um whereabouts in spain um all over but i spent a lot of time in barcelona um Zaragoza, which is one of the the main cities in the center 
and yeah, various other places. Um, yeah, so that was. And what made, what made you pick Spain, Nick? Well, interestingly enough, you don't actually get you don't actually choose where you go. You, you submit <laughs> okay. you submit an application um, to, to basically serve a mission, and you're basically assigned to a part of the world. It could be within Australia locally, or it could be overseas. So I I was assigned to serve in Spain, so for me that was obviously a huge <laughs> a huge thing, um, very much outside my comfort zone. Guess um, what, mum and dad, I'm off to Spain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my mum was a bit a bit worried in the beginning because I was still quite young, and um, but yeah, I mean, as far as forming myself as a person and independence, it was it was huge and, and very impactful in my life. And I guess the importance of people, which maybe you know, obviously being a, a bit of a maths and science geek growing up, it gave me an appreciation for, um, for I guess for different cultures, beliefs. Um, yeah, and just just the struggles people go through, and, and how we can all help each other out um, in in different ways. So, yeah, very, very different. And when I came back, yeah, definitely altered kind of the, a bit of the course on which I decided to walk, kind of go down with my studies. And how did it alter things? Well, what were, the, what, what were your learnings out of those two years overseas working? Yeah, well, I think I, really have, I think I really came back with this kind of, I guess, desire to, I guess, kind of benefit people with what I did, not just kind of be in a lab. Um, so, so that led me to actually kind of add to kind of go from a straight physics to add on an engineering degree, and that kind of being an application of of science to kind of solve problems um, that you know that we face. So that was, I think, one of the biggest switches. And then also this kind of interest in, which I'm sure we'll get to later on, but this interest in kind of decarbonization, climate change, global warming, all those kind of big issues that we were facing. Um, came very curious about about those. So yeah, like those two kind of combined, um, kind of yeah, kind of led me down this path. So, so you're a recipient of a John Monash scholarship, but I see it's not the first one you've been awarded. In fact, you've got countless awards, Nick, as well as being named a University of Queensland Future Leader. You're a Quad Fellow. You're awarded a UQ employability award you've been named a hawkins scholar the australian mathematical science institute summer research scholar and you've been presented with a boeing aerospace scholarship so i suppose my question to you nick is what's holding you back <laughs> when are you going to have a real go yeah look i mean just words on a page right all those all those scholarships and things no, look, it's it's a, it's honestly a good question. I think I have spent a lot of time in books and 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 learning. But look, watch this space, Justin. I think yeah, I've got yeah, got, I got a lot of motivation, desire to make a difference. So yeah, it's just a matter of timing for me and trying to yeah find find one the right time to to, to get things done. <laughs> get things done. Now I haven't mentioned Lambda Learning. L A M B D A Lambda Learning. What is that all about, Nick? So I guess this was kind of a bit of an initiative I I started, a bit of a nod almost to my own experience, kind of I guess being a struggling high school student and then kind of really catching a fire for learning. I wanted to get into classrooms and just talk to kids about STEM, mathematics in particular, science, and show them that there can be they can be enjoyable subjects first of all, and that you can get a lot of satisfaction out of. Um, putting in effort to learning and studying them. So I kind of put together some presentations um, around different maths topics, you know, why we study maths, what the value is, what, what the benefit is, and also kind of crafted a few 
I guess, clever problems for the kids to work on. And I presented that in kind of a few different high schools around Brisbane. Um, yeah, so worked with some with some old teachers. My old school, actually, I, I went back to and a few other schools and delivered those presentations to kind of grade 9, 10, 11 students. So STEM is obviously a, a passion project of yours. What is it that you like about these STEM subjects? Yeah, I mean... It is, and I think I think for a lot of people, maths particularly is seen, or STEM in general, is seen for only maybe a select few people who have that talent, who have that skill. And certainly, it's obviously not an interest for everyone, and I get that. But I think um, I think students in particular can get a lot of satisfaction out of solving problems, and I think mm. you actually have a lot of good life skills by being disciplined enough to sit down and try and solve math problems. As crazy as it sounds, like the number of times. I've had to kind of draw my physics degree, solve problems, which just seems so incredibly difficult and the persistence and determination to kind of not give up, keep going, working at it, talking to other people, trying to find solutions actually translates into, into just life in general, because, you know, as you know, you know, we all come up with huge life challenges. We face decisions to be made, complicated situations we find ourselves in and having that determination and I guess persistence to not give up and, and keep working at it. I think is very valuable. So I think, yeah, I think everyone can learn a lot from from mathematics and and yeah. So that's that's I guess the motivation for me really. And sadly, there's some trends in Australia right now where enrolments in high level mathematics are kind of decreasing in high schools, and it's not. Why a, is that? Well, look, I don't know, and I think you'd think it would be increasing with you know we're also technology native um, at the moment and. Obviously, a lot of the technology we use is built upon engineering and mathematics and science. Um, so I think it's quite concerning, actually, that we aren't educating our young people in these fields to, to the high levels that they need um, to, to continue to actually understand the technology that we're using. Mm. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a good explanation for you, but I am obviously concerned by it. And part of my yeah kind of passion is to yeah, be an advocate for STEM and you know, encourage others to get involved as much as possible. Do you think it's a sense that mathematics is all too hard and that the young ones need that internal resilience of something that's that's quite mentally challenging to to really apply themselves? Yeah, I think that's a good I think that's probably a big part of it to be honest. And I think maths learning something like mathematics, like you can't learn it overnight. You know, you can't just pick up or watch one video and expect to understand it. It takes years. Mm. And, and each principle you learn builds upon another principle. And that's the same with science as well. Each theory builds upon another more complicated theory usually. And I think, you know, we live in a world with social media where instant gratification, instant, you know, messaging, notifications, instant access to information. But learning, getting a deep understanding for these fields takes time and, and patience. So it's a bit of a different mindset. And I think maybe we are... Uh, yeah, struggling to kind of grasp that. I think a little bit, you know, with our students. Once again, I know I'm, I'm not on the ground in schools at the moment, but just kind of a, a layman's perspective, um, perhaps. Now, you are also an outreach ambassador. What exactly is that, Nick? Yeah, so that's what. So that was a a job I held through the University of Queensland for almost four years, and it was quite similar to what I did with Lambda Learning, but through through UQ. So we would go into high schools. And we would present to students and it was mostly disadvantaged high schools in, I guess, with low um, 
low rates of university attendance. And we would essentially encourage them and I guess, show to them the pathways for higher education. So helping them realize that, you know, if, if you don't get into your, you know, dream program straight away, there's alternate pathways, or if you don't even think you're good enough to go to university, you know, reconsider because, um, you know, getting an education can be a lifelong, you know, blessing for your life. And so we'll do like activities and games with them around like, you know, stress management, time management, study skills, and then just kind of career pathways and things like that. Um, so that, that's what actually kind of motivated me to go on and do the Lambda Learning initiative that I kind mm. of started. Well, let's turn to the John Monash Foundation Scholarship. You'll be studying a PhD at Princeton. Tell us about your field of expertise. Yeah, my field of interest is in a de decarbonized energy systems, essentially. So I mentioned earlier, kind of got an interest, well, yeah, as you know, I mean, my, my generation, we've grown up with, you know, this, this, you know, this, this climate change threat, I guess, looming on the horizon constantly before us. And that's kind of obviously translated into a lot of, you know, the debate we see around us, both on a political level and, you know, in everyday life, essentially. And so I, I got really interested in, you know, what is it about our energy system? And so to, to be honest, when I first learned about this, I was like, why don't we just build wind and solar problem solved, right? Um, mm. And as I went down that path, I kind of learned more and more about it. And I recognized that it's just, it's just not that simple. There's, you know, far greater complexities involved with transitioning our, our energy systems, primarily because it affects all of us, right? It's our way of life, um, depends on, on the energy that we, that we get. And so what I hope to do in my studies is look at you know, how you can build, plan and operate a decarbonized grid, essentially. What mix of technologies is optimal um, to maintain a secure grid, a reliable grid, and then still obviously reach our net zero targets. So kind of combining all those three together and I guess hoping to provide some advice slash understanding, um, you know, scientific understanding around how to do that. And it starts at Princeton next year? That's right. Yes, that's the plan. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be applying with the you know, support of the John Monash Scholarship and then, you know, intend to start in September 2024. Have you ever been to Princeton? Ever never. had a look around? Never. Yeah, never. Yeah, ne never have. So I do know a few of the professors there who I'm hoping to work with through my work at University of Queensland. But other than that, yeah, I've never been, um, never been there. So BHP sponsored your scholarship. Have you had anything to do with BHP at all? Would you like to give them a bit of a shout out? Yeah. Yeah. So, B, I mean, um, well, up until the scholarship, no, I hadn't had anything to do with BHP. But since um, being supported by them with the scholarship, I've had a number of interactions and they've all been quite amazing. The, 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 the most recent is the World Mining Congress um, held here in Brisbane, actually. And they invited me to attend and I got a chance to meet, um, yeah, Mike Henry, the CEO and of various other executives and, and people, part of the company. And so, I mean, like as far as impact, BHP is kind of obviously the largest company in Australia, but also from a mining perspective, they have a huge role to play in enabling the transition. So to be sponsored by them is, you know, a huge privilege and, I guess, a great connection, you know, professionally to have. So 
you know, thanks to the foundation, the John Monash Foundation kind of enables those links. So, yeah, quite incredible. The Monash Scholarship is all about giving back to Australia. So let's fast forward a little bit. You successfully complete your PhD. How do you plan to do that and give back? Um, yeah, look, it's a big question. And I think it just comes back to the research I want to do. I think um, the debates around energy is quite polarized at the moment. I think there's people with very strong opinions and views on, you know, the, the future we need to create. I think if the biggest thing I could do in giving back is to kind of not settle the debate because there's always going to be debate, but I guess kind of provide some sound scientific guidance around what we can and can't do with the decarbonized energy system. And, and ultimately the goal really is, is to kind of see it, see it happen in my lifetime. Um, I'd love to kind of see Australia embrace the opportunities that are, are there for us and do it in a, I guess, in a, in a world leading way, because here in Australia, we have access to some of the best resources, both natural, um, you know, wind and solar or, or, or mined resources. So, you know, it's, it's an amazing opportunity. So. And what do you think of our efforts thus far without wanting to get too political? How are we, how are we faring? How are we going? I think there's a lot to be done, um, to be honest. I think there's a lot to be done. I, I think it's hard not to be political about this issue, but I think, I, th I think we need to listen more, listen more to each other about this issue. Those who are interested in the field need to come to the table with uh, open minds around technology. So, for example, the nuclear debate is starting to heat up in Australia that's going to be a complicated debate, but I think it needs to happen. Um, we need to simultaneously up the deployment of renewables at the same time. And so doing both those things without getting political is so challenging right now. And I think... You've done a good job. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be neutral, but I think just listen to each other more, to be honest. Yeah. So Nick, tell us about the work you're doing now. Where are you working and what are you actually doing? So I work in this exact space. I work as a researcher at UQ. I work with a team focused on the energy transition. And the work we do at the moment is modeling what the future grid will look like and particularly some of the challenges that we'll, um, we'll be facing as we integrate more renewables. So as we build all this wind and solar that everyone's talking about, there's going to be some issues with balancing the grid. Storage is going to be an option and gas as well. And how those kind of balancing options are used um, is quite a complicated problem because wind and solar is unpredictable. You don't know when you're going to need your gas. And so how do you actually know how much to have so that you can actually ensure the lights always stay on? So we're looking at kind of quantifying that problem at the moment. Final question for you today, Nick. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Justin, I saw this, I saw this question coming and... <laughs> It's actually a quote I read. I read it in in a book by Stephen Covey, and it was, but it's by a, one of the former secretaries of the of, of the UN. And he said, um, "It's more noble to give yourself completely to to one individual than to labor for the salvation of the masses." And I think maybe that's been going through my head recently with the work I want to do. It's you know, the problem I'm trying to tackle is very much a a problem of the masses, if that makes sense. But I keep trying to kind of remind myself that, you know, it's about individuals and about the people closest to you. And I guess trying to stay grounded in those kind of, you know, everyday relationships rather than getting caught up in the big, 
the big problems. Whether that's the best piece of advice, but that's the, something that's been th- going through my mind, you know, over the last six months to a year. Nick Mora, John Monash Scholar, great to talk to you today. Good luck with the PhD and all the very best in the future. Thanks for coming onto the program. Thanks very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure.